Thank you so much for joining our 9.30 service. And if you could go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 23 to 24. And we're actually starting our brand new, we're launching our brand new series called Restored. And it's taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. We could turn there. It says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Here it is. God will make this happen. And for he who calls you is faithful. So if uh, you've been attending church, we've been uh, spending the first 21 days in prayer and fasting as a church. And we've been kind of focusing outward for the new year, how we could reach our neighbors, how we could love those around us. We've been believing for a breakthrough. And after 21 days of prayer and fasting, um, now, I, and then we just celebrated four-year anniversary, and we had Pastor Dave Barr last week. But now I want us to focus, instead of outward, maybe focus inward for these next four weeks and it's based on 1 Thessalonians 5 where it says that God wants to bring wholeness to our uh, body, soul, and to our spirit. And when you guys get a chance, could you say thank you to uh, Pastor Patrick Machado because he's a sick graphic artist. I told him, hey, could you come up with something that God could make beautiful like body, soul, and spirit and how God could bring restoration? If you look in your bulletins too, it's at the bottom and that there's a, a broken beautiful flower that's fractured and broken, but God is able to bring wholeness to that. Ooh, that's deep, right? <laughs> oh, that's deep like the ocean. All right. And, um, and what I want us to go through is really, it's kind of like the big buzzword right now is emotional health, or we call it even um, soul care or self-care. Because we, if you live long enough, you realize that we live in a broken world, a fallen world with sinful people. And we as Christians, we suffer, or everyday people, we suffer from a whole range of emotional problems. Anxiety, loneliness, depression, grief over broken relationships, resentment, feelings of inadequacy, addictions vices, and uh, these are the kind of things that um, people suffer, and we suffer through years and years and years, and we are a people that are in pain, and usually the church is split over the, uh, in how to deal with these hurting people. On one side, uh, people would say, who are emotionally struggle, they're saying, hey, you, you're living in sin, bro. Hey, you gotta, you don't have enough faith. Hey, Brother, you're not being obedient. Sis, you're not getting time in the word. You need time in the word. And these people tend to blame the hurting person for his or her pain. And one of the most important things that we could do is, as people is really own up to our hurts and our pain. About two years ago, we're on our, uh, around Thanksgiving time, we're on our way to Alamoana Mall. And we're going to the parking lot. And there was a drunk guy sideswiped us. Right? And uh, kind of T-boned our car. And then and my neck was kind of a little bit jacked up. And 
but I got to own up to it that my neck isn't right. I have to go and take physical therapy. I have to exercise. I got to do stretches. I got to own up to the fact, not that other people are hurting me, that I myself am hurt and I'm in pain. But the good news is this, that God is able to bring restoration. God is able to bring wholeness in the totality of who you are. That God just doesn't bring healing and he doesn't just restore your spirit. He restores your body. He heals your soul. Isaiah says that the Lord is close to those who are brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That this is not just a theory, this is not just an idea, but this is a reality for the people of God that God could restore. Where Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3 says that God is able to bring a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And just like the video that we saw that God can make beautiful things from dust. God can make beautiful things from us. And he could bring restoration. And so with that, could we all stand together and let's turn to our text, which is Luke chapter 13, just in reverence to God's word. Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. I'll go ahead and read. You can follow along. And he, Jesus, told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. And he said to the vine dresser or a gardener, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should I even, or why should it uh, use up the ground? And he, the gardener, said, or answered, Sir, I highlighted this, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and I put on manure or I fertilize it. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we take hold of your promises. We take hold of who you are. We take hold of what you've done for us on the cross, that you died our death, that we deserved, that you were resurrected from the dead so that we could have new life, a life of victory, a life, Lord God, of abundance, a fruitful life. So Lord, I just pray that you would, right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open our eyes, illuminate you would change our hearts, oh God, so that we would be changed. Lord, the things that the enemy has destroyed and has shattered, that you would bring restoration and beauty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, you guys see what's happening here? In Luke chapter uh, 16, verses 1 through 5, Jesus was actually speaking about repentance. And he was telling them, hey, you guys, you need to change your heart. Or metanoia in Greek means to change your mind. You were going this way, but now you got a, a change of mind. You have to go this way. And he tells them, hey, change or repent or perish. Be basically, if you don't change your heart, if you don't change your mind, you're going to die in your sin. 
If you keep going at the path that you're going in, that you are going to suffer for the consequences of your lifestyle. Everybody knows the, the definition of insanity, right? That doing the same thing over, over, over again and expecting different results. Well, Jesus says, hey, repent, change your mind, change your life, change your heart so that you won't have to perish. And after speaking on repentance then, here we have verse 6. He tells a story. You know what repentance is like? You know what genuine repentance is like? And he, he tells us in verse 6. He says, and he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. And he said to the vine dresser, he said to the gardener, hey, now three years, I've had this fig tree. It just takes up water. It takes up space. It takes up energy. It takes up resources. There's no fruit in it. Uh, let's cut it down. Why should it take up the ground? And verse 8, here we go. And the gardener said what? Hey, sir, let it alone. Must be a Filipino gardener, right? <laughs> hey, leave it alone. Just give it some water. No, I'm just kidding. All right. He says, hey, let it alone. Let it be. Dig around it and put it on manure or, put, or, or fertilize it. Then it... If it should bear fruit next year, very well and good. If not, you can cut it down. So we see here that there's three components to growth or three components to fruitfulness or three ingredients to restoration. And here's the main point this morning. Would you write this down on your notes? Simple and clear. God's truth plus God's grace and God's time equals growth and fruitfulness. Truth, grace, and time equals healing. Truth, grace, and time equals wholeness. Truth, grace, and time equals rest restoration. So number one, would you write down truth? What do we need to be restored? What's the first component is truth. He said, hey, dig around it. Dig around it. That in order for us to be healed and to grow, we must first, instead of just cutting things down and like, you know what, it's done, it's over, I quit, I give up. Hey, why don't you dig around it, give it time to grow. Now, everybody knows, you know, the truth uh, shall set you free, right? John 8, 3, 3. Um, I was going to do my Kanye West rap, but it's all right, I'll save it for another time. Yea, should be made free. John 8, 3, 6. Whom the sun set free is free indeed. He saved the wretch like me. All right. <laughs> Anyways, man, I'm all up on Kanye. Sorry. So John chapter 8, verse 31 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, If you abide in my word. So here's the condition. If you follow and if you obey the teaching of Jesus, you are truly his disciples, verse 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The first ingredient to growth and transformation is truth. That you got to dig, dig around and see and examine, why am I the way that I am? Like, why am I dysfunctional in this area? Why do I 
always default to cutting off relationships? Why do I always default to sabotaging my future and my life? Why, what causes, what areas in my life, why is, it, why is it doing this? And digging deep and knowing the truth of the way that you are, it's the first step. No, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a counselor, but just reading up on different things uh, from Pete Scazzaro, who, who has this emotionally healthy movement happening, or uh, Dr. Gary McIntosh, who talked about overcoming the dark side of leadership, that if we have an unmet need when we were young, early in our childhood, we tend to overcompensate it when we're adults. And... So in other words, a lot of the pain that you and I go through, a lot of the dysfunction that I go through, it happened because early on in my life there was an unmet need or there was a pain or there was a, tra a traumatic experience or something said something to me and it shaped and molded the direction and the course of my life. And digging around for truth that hurts, right? Um, you know, Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you, you clean the outside of the cup and the plate. Like outside, we might be okay. We look nice, right? But inside, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You, you blind Pharisee. First, Clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. And I'm not just talking about uh, relational things here. I'm talking about like maybe things in your career, in your competencies. Maybe, one of, maybe there's a, a growth, there's a, a barrier to your growth and you're not just getting healing or, or growth from it. Um. For the longest time, for as long as I know, I've been deathly afraid of public speaking. I kid you not. It, you know, it's so crazy because you could ask my wife, ask my kids, like I am deeply, 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 almost to a fault, introverted. Like I just keep to myself, but as a pastor, I have to be with people and counsel and hey, and, and then I, I, I don't like speaking. You know, and yeah, I know, like, why did God chose the foolish things of this world, right? And so, uh, and uh, I remember when I was in third grade, our teacher, Mrs. Long, inner city, uh, LA Unified, uh, she gave us an assignment to know about current events, go through newspapers, and he wanted, she wanted us to learn public speaking. So she made up this made-up television with wooden poles and like a clear transparency in a box that made it look like a TV, and we're supposed to report on current events. You know, I just came from the Philippines, yo. Like, I was like, you know, people were making fun of me, and like, oh, oh, oh John, go, go say Disneyland. Disneyland? <laughs> they were like making fun of me, man, and I, I was traumatized, and so here I am. I have to give this report, and I'm like, started shaking. Uh, there was the earthquake in San Francisco, and I started shaking, and everybody started laughing. And I grabbed the little TV pole, and that started shaking, and everybody was just laughing at me. And 
From then on, I was like deathly afraid. Lord, I never want to be a speaker. I never want to be a pastor. Like I'm so, people will just judge you and mock you. And, but even something as, that happened over 32 years ago. I just turned 40 last year. I'll be 41 this year. If I don't dig around and figure out, man, why do I dread speaking? Why do I dread just even going out and, 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 and even preaching God's word? And I had to come to that place of like the truth. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 3 says, Frustration is better than laughter because, here it is, a sad face is good for the heart. Huh? So if you go dig deep enough and you're raw and you're like, this is why I'm so dysfunctional. This is why I'm so messed up. This is why I keep sabotaging myself and my futures because these things that happened early on. Dig around. Number two, would you write down? Not only God's truth, but God's grace. Okay? Uh, the gardener said, fertilize it. Now, grace... As we all know, grace is not just uh, a gift. It's like an unmerited favor. There's a pastor whose name is Frederick Buchner. This is what he says. Grace is something you could never get but only be given. There is no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you can deserve the taste of raspberries and cream or earn good looks or bring about your own birth. Grace is a gift. We all know that. And this is an aspect of grace that I've been trying to instill in our church is this, that grace is something that God does for his people because we could not do it for ourselves. Can we heal ourselves? No. Can we save ourselves? No. Can we redeem ourselves? No. God had to do it for us. God does something as a gift because we could not do it on our own. Now, the first sin in the Bible was Adam and Eve, right? And because they stumbled and they fell and they disobeyed against God, God gave them truth. He says, hey, Adam, because you disobeyed against me, you know what? You're going to have to work twice as hard. I'm going to put thorns and thistles, and you're going to have to suffer for the penalty of your disobedience. Okay, Eve, you, you disobeyed against me, so now you're going to have to, there'll be a lot of pain in your childbirth. Okay, and then the serpent, you're going to crawl on your belly for the rest of your life. Truth, truth, truth. And here's the crazy thing. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse uh, 7. So when Adam and Eve, when they ate of the fruit, forbidden fruit, the eyes of both of them were opened. And they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Now, fig leaves, they're not like little mango leaves that are a little small, right? Fig leaves are a little bit bigger. They're about this size. So they started sewing this fig leaf on their own to cover their shame, to cover their nakedness, to cover their judgment. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we did this. Oh, we're, we're naked. So they covered themselves. But after God telling them the truth, he gives them grace. Let's look at verse 21. Then the Lord God made garments of skin. What did God do? He had to sacrifice animals. He had to get skin. 
Right? The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of, of sins. Meaning, Jesus was the ultimate Lamb of God. That He is the one, who this is a type of Christ, that He is the one that, for Adam and his wife, and He clothed them. You see, this is what grace is. Grace is something that God does to you and to me, for you and for me, because we could not do it on ourselves. Uh, I'm reading a book uh, in my, uh, my library right now. It's called Grace-Based Parenting. Because usually when we parent, we're usually performance-based. Oh, you get good grades. I'll give you money. You do the chores. And what they were saying is like, instead of performance-based, why don't you do grace-based? And... Um, kind of putting these things two together of truth and grace. You know, it's been very memorable to me when I was 19 years old. It was my freshman year at Bible college. Um, I got my first job as a teller at a bank, and my parents went out of town uh, to a pastor's convention, and they said, Hoi Jun Jun, whatever you do, do not touch my Mercedes-Benz, right? I'm like, okay, Dad, I won't touch it. And that, that stinking guy, he took the keys with him. He didn't trust me. And so what ended up happening was there was rain that day, and I came home, and I, I had a 91 Jeep Cherokee where you pull out the lights, and I, for, I left my lights on. Of course, I couldn't start my car, and I couldn't get to work. So this is before the advent of Uber or Lyft. So what I, I was like, I needed to jump my car. And so... Uh, I opened my dad's car and I was trying to get it out of the garage so I could connect it. Well, we lived in a hill, make the long story short, I crashed his Mercedes with my car, with my Cherokee. And my Cherokee's a tank, you know, it's an SUV and yeah, this is like Mercedes. I'm like, oh my gosh. And, and I had to live with that for like four days until they came back. I was like, what are they going to do? Yeah, they didn't have cell phones yet. I'm like, I'm 19, are they going to spank me? Anyways, and so uh, when my parents got back, I, I told my dad what happened. He goes, hey, John, just want to let you know we're really proud of you. And when we were on our uh, convention, we stopped by an outlet store, factory outlet, and we got you some new ties because you need it for being a teller, and we got you some slacks and some jackets. And that, to me, just changed. That Romans 2 says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. When we get something that we don't deserve, that we cannot earn, that we cannot do for ourselves, and it's freely given to us, that is what grace is. In our relationships... Our relationships need to be safe. Our marriage needs to be safe. Our families need to be safe in terms of that there is unconditional love and acceptance. That you don't have to worry about performance for me and you to be in good standing. Just be you. Just do you, son. Just be yourself. And it doesn't matter what mistakes you have. I love you unconditionally. We're in this together. You know, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, I never saw it this way before, but it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to what? 
serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. When we have gracious dealings with each other, we are administering, we are conduits of God's grace. We're agents of God transforming people's lives when we show grace to one another. When we serve each other, when we love each other unconditionally, that's how restoration happens. I think oftentimes we would just want to cut it down, right? Just like the, the owner, the, the, the farmer is like, hey, three years, that hasn't done anything, let's cut it down. Thank God for your local Filipino gardener. Say, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Time out. Dig with some truth. Maybe there's some rocks that's blocking the root system. Okay? Let's dig around it. Make sure that the soil is good. Let's put fertilizer and give it nutrients. Give life into it. And the fourth one, or the third component is this, is Time. That the gardener says, hey, let it alone. Give it time. If you're taking down notes, you could put in parentheses, God's process. That it is a process for us to be uh, growing in our relationship with God. That growth and restoration will not happen just once. I've said this before and I'll say it again. A squash takes 40 days to mature. An oak tree takes 40 years to mature, but nobody makes dining tables out of squashes. In other words, for a deep work, for a restorative work of the God that does what, what God does, it's going to take time. Paul told Timothy, hey, don't lay hands on people too, eat, too hastily. Don't, just because a person has talent, don't make them a leader in the church. Just, calm, just wait and see their character evolve. If you look at the life of Moses, a third of his life, 40 years, he was the prince of Egypt. He got that Punahou education, right? He got, the, he got to learn how to build uh, pyramids and manage people. He had all these le leadership competencies. The next third of his life, the next 40 years, guess what he was? He was a shepherd in the Midian desert. Totally unknown, totally living in obscurity, totally living in insignificance. But it had to take 40 years for God to mold and shape his heart to break down pride, to break down that anger that easily wants to step up. We all know King David, right? Young boy, he was anointed to be the king. He slayed Goliath. Do you know it took him 15 years until the fruition of his anointing to become king for him to actually become king? 15 years. In the same way, you could be struggling in an area, but could you have grace upon yourself because God has grace upon you? It's the only way that we'll grow. Grace, truth, and time equals transformation. Something as simple as your finances. You know, I, I talked to my wife recently. I was like, babe, we gotta, man, we, I think we should sell this car, sell my car, I'll just take the bus. I, we got to do it, just get out. Just, hey, just, babe, relax. Do you remember how we were living five years ago, ten years ago? 
and see how much God has done. Just be patient and just have grace for yourself and grace for one another and grace for the season of life that we're at. Give it time. Then we could experience growth. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray.